Kelly throws the slide. Man's wide open. Time. Rube. Bullseye. What is up, bros? Anybody care to lax? Welcome to episode six of The Crease Dive, presented by Barstool Sports, your one-stop shop for that stick talk for lax rats by lax rats. I'm Jordy from Barstool, joined alongside me, as always, the kid, Rabio. Roberto, what is good? Jordan, what is up, buddy? What a weekend we had personally up in Philly, and what a weekend it was for college lacrosse as we have a new number one team, your Albany Great Danes. Jordy, how we doing, buddy? Dude, the Dane train rolling right in there to the number one spot in the rankings. Uh, it's, it's a long time coming for the Great Danes. I mean, they've yep. had you know, quite a few legends in that program over the last few years between the Thompsons and and everything that's going on with that team. And and right now, this is the highest that they've ever been in the rankings. And, uh, you know, I'm not a mathematician, but I don't think that it gets any higher than being the number one ranked team in the nation. So kind of nowhere else to go from here except the Memorial Day weekend. So shout out to Albany. Uh, Shout out to our boy recurring guest of the podcast, Dahoga getting themselves up to that number one ranking. Uh, let's let's just round out this uh, this top 10 here. I mean, we've got, as we always say, rankings don't really mean shit, especially not in the first week of March. This shit's going to change, you know, next week. It's going to change in two weeks. It's going to be completely different by Memorial Day. But we got Albany, Maryland, Duke, Virginia, Denver, Ohio State, Nova coming in at seven, the Wildcats. We'll get to them later. Notre Dame in at eight, Loyola and North Carolina rounding that that top ten. So we've got a, you know, we got a decent amount of blue blood programs coming through early in the season, staying in that top ten. A couple of newcomers too. So I mean, this is a this is a college lacrosse season that could get a little fucky on us pretty quick here. Yeah, no, that's what I'm thinking. When I'm looking at the slate, I'm seeing reoccurring teams. Like you said, like you got your Virginias, you got your Dukes, your Maryland's, your Notre Dame's, your UNC's. But then you got teams like Denver, who like obviously they're a powerhouse now, relatively new. Wildcats, welcome to the top 10, boys. Ohio State, obviously Final Four last year, but you know they're a program on the rise. Um, this is going to be a year, like we said, it's it's been, we, we've been saying it since episode one. Defenses and goalies are going to struggle, whether it be kids are getting more athletic, whether it be the stick technology, but there have been so many goals this season. Dude, and a ton of those goals, uh, especially over the last week in lacrosse, have come down to pure clutch gene all over the place on offense, all across the country. Kids are letting that clutch gene hang. Uh, I mean, last week, the, it was just one goal games all over the place, a ton of overtime games. Uh, so let's just, I mean, let's just get right into our fast breaks here, kind of break down the last week of college lacrosse. And we'll start with the game that you and I were both at live at Franklin Field in Philly when we had the Penn Quakers shocking the goddamn world and taking down number one Duke 10-9. We had a Kevin McGeary dagger uh rejunkin in goal for Penn. i mean we were there uh you know i, I was trying to keep track as much as like as as i could i think i counted that this kid had like seven thousand saves maybe i mean it, what a performance that kid put on uh and Penn, dude yeah go right ahead for it robbie 
Yeah, I mean, that goalie was absolutely on his head. Shout out to Reed Junkin. But, you know, off of that, I got three shout outs uh, from that game uh, and then a fourth. But my three years, obviously, Penn Quakers, congratulations. Anytime you knock off a number one team is huge. But to do it in front of your home crowd, leading me to my second shout out. We, you and I, Jordy, talk about the Ivy League being a bunch of nerds. Dude, the Penn Quakers showed up, did they not? Dude, the student section in full force. They obviously didn't have any homework to do that weekend, and they were wild now. No, no homework to do. Kids were pulling out flasks. I mean, like it's a small school. Like you're boys with half the kids on the team. So shout out to them for showing up, and shout out to that kid, dude. Once they hit the game winning goal, I don't know if you saw that video. I don't know if you guys saw that video. They were storming the field, and that dude with the walking cane and the boot was just strutting on, going to get his goalie. So shout out to the Pan Quakers, and obviously shout out to reoccurring guest uh, Justin Gutty. Obviously, like a pleasure seeing him after the game. Tough loss, better now than in late May. But uh, overall, great game. Congratulations to the entire uh, Penn University team. Yeah, I mean, unreal job from Penn to be able to bounce back from getting whooped up on by Maryland, coming right back out against Duke. They didn't shy away at all. Uh, Unreal back and forth game. And then Penn coming out with that win was huge. Uh, Moving on to another huge game over the weekend. This is one uh, that last week's episode, I told you, we told you, it was going to be a game that comes down to the wire. Little did we know that it was going to be a triple overtime wire. But Army versus Syracuse, every time that these two teams come up against each other, you know that it's going to be a classic. Army got off to a, a, a big time early lead. Uh, you know, we yep. were checking that score as we were at that Penn Duke game. And, you know, you, you turned to me, you showed me the score six one at, at halftime, and I say, dude, no fucking chance is this game even close to over. We get Brendan Bombary coming in, all sauce team. Uh, it's it's a goal that was heard around the world, going between the legs, shovel shovel shot between the legs uh, to tie that shit up in the fourth quarter. I mean, it takes a giant set of uh, testicles, which is scientific term for balls, for all you. Uh, for all you laymen out there, it takes a giant set of testicles to pull off that shot, especially in the fourth quarter. They get into overtime. It's Ryan Simmons for the overtime winner for Cuse. 11-10 after Army had that huge win. Rabio, what do you got? I mean, just shout out to Syracuse. The Cardiac Cuse are back. I mean, obviously, I know Desco is probably not good for his blood pressure, you know, staying in these one-goal games. But, I mean, to be down 6-1, and just, I mean, I'm sure they have an excellent group. I know, I know they have an excellent group of senior leaders, excellent coaching staff. They got their boys probably together. And they, they fucking came back. They fought back. There was so much energy in that Carrier Dome. Um, just an all-around great game in the second second half. I'm, honestly, I'll be honest. First half looked super sloppy. Um, I was streaming it live from my phone. That's why I looked at you. But, I mean, shout-out to the goalie. Don Madonna just ripping the, I'm not even going to give Tom Brady credit, ripping a Drew Brees down to Ryan Simmons for the game winner. Shout out to the Syracuse Orange. Fuck it. I'm sure, I'm sure they went off at Lucy's after the game. So that must have been a huge win. Army has Syracuse circled every year. Syracuse has Army circled every year. These teams don't like each other. What a game that was. Syracuse Army is back, like you said. Dude, Drew Brees getting the <laughs> shout out on Freestyle. Gonna have to get him on the podcast to discuss that one soon. But yeah, I mean, 
uh, Cuse, they got they got embarrassed at the Carrier Dome against Albany, and you know I. As soon as they saw that score at halftime, you knew that they weren't going to let that shit happen again. I mean, that's their home. Uh, it's, it's a legendary lacrosse facility. They're not going to get laughed out of there two weeks in a row. So, uh, you know, thank thank you to the troops for all your service. But it, it just it wasn't going to happen last week, regardless of how bad you wanted it. And now we're just, we're going to just keep sticking with this overtime theme. Uh, you know, over the last week of lacrosse. Uh, going right into uh, you know a game that I don't think that anybody had pictured going into overtime before this game started. It's Ohio State versus Jacksonville. Uh, now, the Jacksonville Dolphins, they have been haunting you, Robbio, all season. Uh, you have been shorting them in your mortal locks pretty much every single week. Somehow they managed to keep covering. They're 2-3 and three on the season, but I mean, they've, they've played uh, you know, they got win against Navy. Uh, they played Marquette pretty tightly. It's a one-goal game. And then Ohio State, they took them into overtime. Unfortunately for Jacksonville, they just weren't able to recruit Trey LeClaire as Trey LeClaire scores the final three game, three goals of that game. Uh, you know, anybody who watched the tournament last year, anybody who watched Ohio State last year knows that this kid, Trey LeClaire, big Canadian, and just knows how to bury the shit out of the ball into the back of the net. Uh, so Ohio State riding Trey LeClaire gets a 12-11 win in overtime. Robbie, oh, what do you have? <laughs> There's a couple things. I mean, that kid LeClaire absolutely has a hog between his legs to score three goals in a matter of what, like 120 seconds, then just put it away, icing on the cake. Ohio State remains undefeated. But majority, like like you attested to, it's been four weeks now that I've been shorting Jacksonville. Um, any team that plays Jacksonville has almost been my mortal lock of the week. So I got to give a shout out quick to Twitter user Robert P. Moore, who is a huge Jacksonville fan, who has been telling me week one not to sleep on the fins, and I can't learn my lesson. And I still cannot learn my lesson. When I saw that game Dude, went... You're, you're not even... You're not just sleeping on the fins. Like, you were chugging at NyQuil. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I was codeine on the fins and that entire state or entire city of Jacksonville. And, hey, we're going to get to it later in the podcast. They got the catamounts coming up, so we'll get to that in a few... But moving on to another OT thriller, we got BU showing up to the home of the Bulldogs. Bryant, 8-7 game, OT winner, hit by John McLean. Absolute dagger. Talk about that, Sally. Well, first off, shout out to John McLean for rocking with the low to high to the day we die listen up kids if you have yourself an opportunity to score a goal in overtime do not waste that opportunity on a bounce shot because it will be forgotten about but if you rip that shit low to high and you sting it right onto the crossbar and then break out the stick flip for the ages. It is up on our social channels right now. Check that out at the crease dive on Twitter at the crease dive on Instagram. This kid, John McLean launched his stick so far through the air. The stick went further than the ball just launches it backwards, comes real nice and heavy with a nice deep right-handed uppercut and just launches that stick into orbit. I mean, I, 
I wouldn't be shocked if as we're as you're all listening to this podcast right now that the stick still hasn't hit the ground. Uh, so I mean, it, it's it's been a huge, huge year for stick flips in college across, which is going to bring us right in to our man up, man down segment of the week. And my man up of the week got to be stick flips. I mean, we we saw it two weeks ago uh, with with Hopkins. Uh, maybe that was just last week. I, we saw it with a Hopkins goal before, uh, and then John McLean breaking out the stick flip here. Listen, kids at home that are listening, whether you're in high school or college or you're still playing at whatever level, a stick flip is going to land you a penalty. Who gives a shit? It is worth it every single time. It looks so good. And if you can do it on an overtime dagger, I mean, that just, it's so disrespectful. And that's what we preach here at the Crease Dive. You want to demoralize your opponent. Uh, Rabio, you ever break out a stick flip back in your day? Um, no, but when the stanky leg was big, I actually hit that one time in a county game and I got the fat flag. Um, but the stick flips are back and the goal sellies are back, dude. If McLean, if McLean hits that shot, it's a bouncer, right? Like they win the game. Fine. He shoots a bounce shot. He does the classic cliche FIFA selly. He runs to the corner. All his boy gets him. All his boys gets him. Fine. They win locker room. Coach is happy. He comes back on that bus ride back to BU campus. You think a girl talks to him? No. <laughs> Girls are talking to him because he's chucking his stick up and he went low to high till the day he died. Till the day he died. <laughs> uh, real quick though, I'm just gonna I'm gonna work in one more man up here. I mean, we talked about it already, but again, over, like overtimes in general um, are definitely an, another man up of the week. I mean, we just gave you. You know, four one-goal games right there. Three of them went into overtime. Uh, one of them went into triple overtime. Hell, even Division Three was getting in on the action. We had the Gettysburg Bullets Centennial Conference. What up? Taken down in double OT. So, I mean, overtimes galore all over every single level of lacrosse. It's a great thing to see. Uh, but my man down of the week and this is another one that we kind of touched on earlier in our fast break segment. Uh, but my man down of the week has to be anybody who's doubting the city of Philadelphia. I mean, listen, by now everybody listening knows that I'm a Philly guy. Uh, and you're probably sick of, talk, of, of me talking about how great Philly's been over the last month or so. Ever since the Eagles won the Super Bowl, Philly sports have been on a tear. I mean, you've got the Penn Quakers, obviously they, they lost pretty big to Maryland earlier last week. Let's just forget about that. They knock off the number one team in the nation in Duke. Uh, and then we get to Villanova, the Wildcats. They're 4-0 on the year. They start off the year with two overtime wins back-to-back against Penn State and Yale. They come out, they smack around Hofstra. They have a crosstown rivalry game with Drexel. They beat up on them 12-9, even though Drexel's not having the greatest year. But Villanova is now number seven in the nation. Uh, we, we talked about them earlier, maybe in the first episode, as a team who could possibly come in and surprise some people. 
I think they're doing a little bit more than surprising some people. So, I mean, if cardiac cues is a thing, the cardiac cats are here. Uh, and Philly lacrosse, man, looking like we're going to have a, a few a few squads playing Hell yeah. deep into May. Dude, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely a few Philly squads across the board on the top 20 poll. And, I mean, dude, I mean, I'm coming, hey, I'm coming off a trip right from you, right? Right in the heart of Philly, city of brotherly love. So I'm all on Team Philly. I'm a New Yorker. I feel like a traitor, but but fuck it. I'm all on Team Philly, and I'm all on Nova, dude. V's up. Like even with like the huge amount of points that Fricaro and Jack Haran put up last year, like they lost them. They, they were expected to still be a great team, but but not a top ten. You know what I'm saying? But the story of the year has been th- this young defense, which is the defense. If, if you follow Villanova Cross, has been kind of like. Uh, they, they always let up 10 plus goals and you know, th- there's obviously been certain games where they haven't like, for example, like holding Hofstra to two goals. And we talked about it. I think it was either episode two or episode three when our boy Philly bull, Matt Barrett, the transfer from UVA tore his ACL, who's supposed to be the big dog starting goalie. And that new goalie came in neck, Nick Testa. And he, he's been balling out. So like they, they got a decent face off guy in Luke Palmadesso. He's a senior, pretty athletic kid. And then you got offense, kids like Cuccinello, your boy, Danny Siebel, the lefty sniper who spiked it on the Dallas Cowboys. You got Christian Cuccinello as Seibel working behind the cage with a freshman attackman can. Like, you got a freshman midi Crowley. Like, this this team's stacked, dude. They, they have the weapons to do it. And Seibel and Cuccinello have been playing since their freshman year. They've been starters and they're seniors. And we, we've talked about how important being a senior is in college across. It's, it's not like basketball where you, where you could dip out after a couple of years. You learn so much. So I'm, I'm very high on the Villanova Wildcats. They are my man up. But on a lower note, moving into my man down, Jordy, you, you could get <laughs> you could guess what my man down is. At the end of the show – it's one of my favorite parts of the show, regardless of how shitty I am right now. But it, it's the picks at the end. The last two weeks, I've been one eight and one, and I, I keep saying like today's a new week. I also keep saying that your bookie's probably about to go cap your knees and you're making his pockets full. But I, I'm I'm starting the hashtag fade Robbie O. We'll wait wait till the end of the episode when you get my picks. So. We'll give it to you there, but I mean, Jordy, I, I have not been good whatsoever. Whether, listen, man, I mean, it's it's February <laughs> lacrosse. We're only a month into the season. It's a tough. Two, it was a tough two weeks for you, and you know, I as as a guy who who cares about you, Robbie, it was tough to see. But listen, you've got all of March, all of April. This thing is going to go deep into May. We got until Memorial Day weekend, so. Hey, one eight and one. It ain't gonna be a thing Memorial Day weekend, but uh, but yeah, I mean, if if you're someone who's uh currently living check to check and you're uh you're looking to have a little beer money this weekend, maybe consider hashtag fade Robbio. Uh, but you know, everything water finds its level, right? Oh yeah, water always finds its level. Robbio's picks of the week are going to start finding their level as long as he stops sleeping on the Jacksonville <laughs> Dolphins. Whatever you do, do not sleep on the fence. <laughs> uh, but speaking of teams that you do not want to sleep on, the 
probably one of the bigger surprise teams of the year so far has been the Vermont Catamounts. And the guy leading the way has been redshirt senior Ian McKay leading them on offense. And we're fortunate enough to be, uh, we got Ian McKay on the line right now, joining us for a little interview. So we are going to throw it to that right now. And joining us now, we're lucky enough to have Ian McKay of the Red Hot Vermont Catamounts. Ian, buddy, what's going on? It is great to have you here on the Crease Dive, our first Canadian guest, actually. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's great to have you on because, dude, Vermont, you guys are on fire this year. Starting off the season 5-0, and uh, I, I haven't really looked back at the record books yet, but I'm positive that that's probably the best start that you guys have had all season. Uh, you guys right now are ranked, I guess you're, uh, you're, you're at 16th in the media poll. So, I mean, unreal start to the season for you guys. Uh, unreal start to the season for you too. I mean, you're, you're leading that team right now in points, 11 goals, six assists. I mean, just kind of talk us through, you know, what's, what's going on up in Vermont right now. You guys are feeling it for sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's been a real hot start for us. Uh, obviously going uh, undefeated to start any season you get, uh, you get pretty excited for it. Um, but we're not trying to look too much into it. Obviously, um, it's it's only the beginning of the season. So, as long as we can keep this train rolling, then uh, we'll be a, a happy group up in Burlington. So, in 2016, you were the first ever Vermont Catamount to earn American East Offensive Player of the Year. The following season, you go down with a season-ending lower body injury. How has that been to bounce back emotionally and physically? Yeah, uh, I mean, being named uh, America East Offensive Player of the Year was a pretty big honor, especially after the year we had making it to uh, the America East Championship and unfortunately uh, falling to a pretty good Hartford team. But um, individually, I had a pretty good year. And um, actually, what a lot of people don't know is I had the injury for a couple of years. I was playing through it, and uh, it was something that uh, I stayed in Vermont for two summers I didn't go home and play junior A box lacrosse. I stayed in Vermont and um, stayed with our training staff and our our coaching staff to try and get healthy and and get better for the next year and was able to do that for for one season. But after staying uh, one more summer and uh, playing a fall season, uh, going into into last year, I just ended up being too much. And um, I actually talked to my trainer and uh, when I brought it up to my trainer, she was she knew about the injury, obviously, but she was pretty pr- uh, surprised about um, me considering the the redshirt option. And uh, we went and talked to Coach Fife, and it obviously caught him by caught him by surprise. Um, but after talking about it uh, with the coaching staff and the training staff, they decided, or we decided as a whole, that uh, it was it was the best course of action for that year. So. Yeah, so you missed that entire season, and now you are back leading the Vermont Catamounts to a 5-0 and start. Has that fueled your fire a little bit, getting that bounce back after missing a ty- an entire season and watching from the sideline? Yeah, uh, actually, you know what? Watching from watching from the sidelines for a season gave me a pretty uh, different perspective of the game. Um, every practice, I was up in the, the uh, booth watching and helping film and helping run practice and whatnot, and you kind of get to watch the game, and especially when you're watching your own team, you you start to notice tendencies of guys that you're going to be playing with a little more than when you're actually on the field with them. Um, so it's pretty pretty unique situation there, and I feel like I've been able to definitely bring that into this year, uh, playing with guys, especially 
um, some of the younger guys that I haven't played with before, the freshmen who are now sophomore sophomores, but um, it's been good. I mean, obviously being out for a full year, I, I think I did the math on it. It was over 600 days since I'd played in a game. So um, pretty, pretty long time, obviously. And I was pretty amped to get after it, but um, you try not to think about it too much. I, my family was in my ear quite a bit trying to pump me up for it, especially going to that Furman game uh, earlier in February. And it being the first game of the NCAA season, a lot of a lot of eyes are on the game. But um, try not to think about it too much and just try and play your game, dude. I mean, speak speaking of like guys that that you're playing, you know, seeing guys that you be playing with, and and you know, you've got. I'm looking at Vermont's roster right now. I'm looking at your guys' stats. Like you've you've got like pretty much like a straight up Canadian offense going on right now. I mean, one, two, three for like five of your top six point scorers, all Ontario boys. Um, you know, and then that, uh, we said it before, you're our first Canadian guest on the show. Um, we're getting a lot of really good, like, boats from you. So <laughs> Canadian, Canadian accent is coming in real prime time. Um, you know, but I, I think, you know, I like watching you guys play, you know, obviously all your styles really mesh. Um, you know, and I think that that's huge bringing that, you know, that, the, the Canadian influence that has been going on in the college game over the last, you know, I guess like five, 10 years, really, uh, it's it's been ridiculous to watch. It seems like if teams want to be elite offensively, they got to bring in some Canadians. So, like, talk to us about, you know, how, how you boys kind of play together and bring more of that box style into the field game. Yeah, so it's a pretty unique situation here. Uh, we have, I mean, you just noticed the guys on offense, but we actually have – I think a total of eight or nine Canadian guys. We've got a couple of D middies and uh, I mean, Warren Jeffrey down on defense is an absolute beast. Like, I don't know how guys can get ready for a game playing against him. Cause he's not like, it's, it's scary playing against him. Um, but yeah, like a guy like Braden Davis, I played junior a box cross with him for a few years. Uh, and I'm on a line with him this year. Um, and then a guy like Rob Hudson is, um, also on our line is someone I've kind of taken under my wing and trying to show show him the ropes and show him the way a little bit and um, teaching some of the lessons that I've learned in my seems like ten years of college. Um, but it's it's pretty cool. At, at sometimes there's five of the six offensive guys are Canadian guys, and um, you get to when you get into that uh, later into the offense and you don't really have set plays and you're just kind of reading and reacting and playing with each other. It's pretty easy when you have guys who are kind of on the same page as you uh, when it comes to kind of playing that enclosed box game and, and looking for those skip passes or looking for those in tight feeds. So it's a, uh, it's pretty cool, pretty unique situation for sure. Yeah, no. That well, the boys up North are definitely getting it done. I mean, you went to the Hill Academy, are, are you boys with a, with a couple of Hill kids in the league? Is there like a brotherhood? I'm, I'm assuming that's why you rock the 45 on the jersey. Yeah, yeah, I got uh, – I wear the 45 because of the Hill. Um, and I definitely definitely am boys with some of the guys out there. Uh, Chris Chris Cloutier, as everyone likes to call him, uh, played, played with him. And sneaky fast mile time on that guy. I don't know how he does it, but sneaky fast. And guys like Brendan Bomberry and – uh, like Nolan Apers over in Lehigh and um, some of the past guys too. Uh, any, really anyone you see wear 45 uh, and is Canadian is a Hill guy. So uh, we got a pretty cool, pretty cool bond and a pretty cool legacy coming out of, coming out of the Hill Academy. So 
Yeah, I mean, so like speaking of all these guys coming out of the Hill Academy, talking about all the the Canadians coming over and and playing in Kyle's across, uh, you you had uh, fired me over a tweet a few days ago uh, with probably the greatest idea on the internet. Uh, you brought up the idea of having a college box lacrosse league. Um, you know, I don't know if you know if anyone had a chance to watch that uh, Hopkins UNC game. I mean, it, it was just riddled with moving picks. Which you know, if anyone uh, watches box lacrosse at all, you, you know that that shit is. You know, you're allowed to set some real greasy picks in the box game. Um, you know, so it, you know you see kind of how you know Canadians have you know sometimes a you know a little bit of a difficulty kind of fitting into the field game just with like bullshit rules like that. But you you bring up the idea of a college box lacrosse league. Um, you know, obviously talking about how many Canadians are on the Vermont team, you guys would probably run the show in that. Uh, but I mean, let, let's expand on this idea a little bit more because I think that this is perfect. I mean, let's just scrap fall ball altogether. All right. No one actually cares about fall ball. No one really watches <laughs> fall ball. Let's just get you guys in a college hockey barn. You said it best, get the bands going and, and let's just let everybody fly five on five box across in college. We could get, you know, we, we, we could, we could get this thing going. So, I mean, what would be, you know, your, your ideal college box across league? Well, it's pretty, it's funny you bring that up. Cause, uh, I'd saw your tweet and was thinking of that, my reply, obviously. And, uh, with being at UVM, we got a pretty, pretty big time hockey team here. Um, and, and old, real old school arena. And, uh, I've lived with a couple of hockey guys in the past. I currently live with a few hockey guys and, um, just being in that arena, it's, it's always sold out every game, no matter what. And the student section is going absolutely bonkers. The band is going full blow all the time. Like just be, being a Canadian and playing box lacrosse back home. And, uh, I, play, I was lucky enough actually to play five years of junior lacrosse in Orangeville. And, uh, all the boys are going to chirp me for saying this, but I was lucky enough to win a Minto cup and, uh, you, you late in the playoffs, you get a full arena and it's late August and it's hot as balls in there and it's just packed in an unreal atmosphere and watching uh, college hockey games and thinking the same thing. Um, it, it would be a pretty cool atmosphere. And then actually uh, <laughs> last year, it was the most absurd thing. Uh, Vermont doesn't have any professional sports teams at all. The big thing is uh, any Vermont athletic sports, whether it's, lacrosse hockey uh basketball soccer like you name it any any sport usually uh has a good showing and they decided to bring a professional arena football league team and they played out of uh the gutterson Fieldhouse at uvm and we were walking in one day and there's this orange turf laying down with uh like another set of boards set up and everyone's initial reaction was let's get nets out there and go play right now so I mean, guys are definitely thinking about it, and um, I mean, it'd be pretty cool. You see, got some teams do it. I think Ohio State does it, and Hopkins does it in the fall. So, I mean, why not just make it a thing and go for it? Definitely down for that. And speaking of former Catamounts that played some hockey themselves, you got an alum who tweeted at me, Alex Stanko, a Vermont Catamount <laughs> across alum. He wanted us to ask you, what is the craziest story? from the 55 East Terrace Street house? Man, uh, I don't know. I don't know if some of those can be said, but um, it's funny. Uh, it's, I lived with Stanko for four years. 
uh, throughout college. We lived in the dorms together and then off campus together. And um, like I said, we lived with a couple hockey guys and we lived in this, it was actually a really nice house. Probably shouldn't have been a college house at all, but um, we lived in a real nice house. There was seven of us and we ended up, uh, by the time the guys graduated last year, we had four dogs in the house. Um, so there was a lot going on all the time. And um, there's been some some scary situations there where we weren't sure if guys are going to be able to graduate on time or not. <laughs> but uh, it's... Uh, it's it's been a good time or it was a good time there for sure I, moving out was was real tough yeah i'm uh i'm i'm glad to hear that everyone was able to uh make it out alive uh <laughs> hey listen like you're you know you, you got your red shirt senior year here uh live it up as long as you can because when, when you're like myself and robbie o and you're out of college it fucking sucks having to listen to you guys talk about still having a good time right now um Speaking of having a good time, I mean, th- this is just something that, you know, college kids are able to do. You, you said right before we brought you on the podcast, you know, you're spending, you know, a, a decent chunk of your night uh, playing some chill with the boys. So, uh, you know, real quick, like what, who's your, you know, who's your go-to team for, for NHL? Like, are, are you someone that goes off of, you know, former Vermont Catamounts? I mean, you think about the hockey players that have gone through your school, you got, you know, like a uh, John LeClaire, you can play with the Flyers. You got Marty St. Louis with the Bolts. You got Patrick Sharp, uh, Timmy Thomas. Like, who, who's your go-to team uh, in NHL? Uh, well, if we're just picking teams, NHL teams, I always got to go with my hometown boys, the, the Leafs, especially uh, with the young core they got there. And um, I actually am, went to high school with one kid on the team, Mitch Marner. He was a younger guy at the Hill uh, while we were there, so – Got got to stick with my my Maple Leafs, but there's actually a group of us who uh, made it the EASHL league that you can do now on NHL. We made a team, and we got it mocked up all with the Vermont colors and the Catamount stuff going on. And uh, we we we're usually on. I mean, being a fifth year senior, uh, I got a pretty light pretty light course load. So it's either worrying about lacrosse or the little bit of school I have, and getting on NHL with the guys and wasting the night away bastard you absolute bastard <laughs> uh marner he's a big time uh smelling salts guy you uh is, is is that a hill thing or is that just a hockey you guys got uh you guys ripping smelling salts on the vermont sidelines or what uh not on the sidelines but uh we had we had 6 a.m lifts in the fall and then i don't know the, we got a huge group of freshmen this year i think 20 guys came in and uh they're a pretty interesting crew each every monday tuesday you never really know what you're going to hear what happened on the weekend so uh with those guys so but they were i know run tests and anything like that they all of them had smelling salts under their nose ready to go waking them up so gotta love that and speaking of some young guns you're now senior we're gonna head to the final three part of the interview just some three quick rapid fire questions who on the team has the worst style? And it could be on or off the field. Worst style, man. I might get in trouble for whoever I say on this, but uh, <laughs> just the other day we were chirping uh, junior defenseman Drew Lewis. Uh, he was. There's a group of 10 of us that have to leave practice a little early and have class together. And we were leaving class, and he had a real suspect pair of jeans on, and they were just like straight up like, acid wash like straight jeans that like barely hit his ankles and we were wondering what the hell was going on with that 
he's got a pretty weird style on the on the field too. We chirp him for being a bit. He's like six four or something like that, and he runs like a baby giraffe a little bit. So yeah, uh, tall guys. I mean, as, as someone who's you know well under well under six foot, it, it always pleases me to know when guys who are over six foot can't quite put it all together. That's always. Uh, Always, always something that I can take a little joy in. He, he can't put it together, but somehow he like off the field still gets a lot of success. success yeah, I mean, so. That's that's what happens when you're over six foot. There's there's lucky bastards. <laughs> uh, so, all right. So we've got you know worst style in the team. Uh, let, let's give someone some props right now. All right. So who um, you know who in that locker room uh, has control over the aux cord, whether it's, you know, either just practices or before games or, you know, just to get the boys nice and loose, who's got the, uh, you know, who's always DJ in that locker room. Uh, it seems like everyone's always fighting to somehow get, get their licks in, in the music, but, um, a pretty constant guy is, uh, senior captain, James Leary. He's usually, uh, pretty good for the music, whether it's practice or, or pregame we actually the fairfield game we we let uh freshman uh young dj young ife we call him and uh he, is he on soundcloud <laughs> uh he might be he might be i'm not sure to be honest but he claims he's a dj we we've yet to really hear anything from him and uh we're all i mean everyone does their own thing pregame and has headphones in and stuff like I'm i'm pretty locked in and keep my headphones on and don't usually talk to guys and well, we're waiting for the coaches to come in, and there's the last couple songs playing. He had a he had a pretty tough set, but um, he's a so-called DJ, so hopefully he can uh, pick it up for the younger guys. Well, he's definitely getting the boys hype. And to finish off the final three, Ian McKay, what do you have to say to the haters and the people that are not buying the Catamount hype? Keep hating. Uh I mean, it's pretty cliche. I think Gutterding said it on your first, your guys' first podcast, but not many people know about us up here in, in the far northeast corner. Um, but I think we're making a pretty good name for ourselves. But keep hating and keep fueling our fire, and hopefully come the end of the year, we've uh, we've proved everyone in college lacrosse wrong. Love it. But, hey, and I, I just want to make sure that it is uh, on the record that the crease dive, we, we bought into the Catamount hype way early on in the season so uh so when when you boys are still playing in may i don't want anybody to ever accuse us of jumping on a bandwagon not a single person we were on since episode one day one when you guys were about to play firm in that night so for anyone listening and when you guys are playing moral day weekend no one should ever say that we hopped on the catamount bandwagon i love it ian thank you for coming on the podcast buddy yeah, and we we really appreciate you uh, coming on here. Hey, it it feels great. You know, I'm a you know I'm a hockey guy myself. Uh, you know, now I've now that my playing days are gone, I, I play some beer league box. So it's it's always great to have a Canadian guy on the show. Um, you know, I, I I got nothing but love for you Canucks. You're all a bunch of goofy bastards, and you know I love everything that you guys bring to the game. I think you guys make it a more creative game, uh, and it's it it's great to have you on here. Great to see the success that the Vermont Catamounts have had, um, you know, and also really great that we haven't found a way to jinx you guys yet. So that's big on us. Um, so thanks so much for uh, taking some time out of your night, taking some time out of your week to talk to us, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you guys playing against Jacksonville. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. 
All right, and thank you again to Ian McKay of the Vermont Catamounts for coming on. Uh, again, our first ever Canadian guest here on the Crease Dive, so that's huge for us. Uh, you know, getting, uh, getting up to you Canucks up North there. So listen, I mean, we got plenty of love for you guys. You're a bunch of goofy bastards, but you guys play the game, uh, you know, really fun way. I think the way that the game should be played, especially on the offensive side. Uh, so, you know, we're wishing the best of luck to Ian and the rest of the Catamounts, especially coming into this weekend, which will lead us into the weekend preview here. We've got the Vermont Catamounts who are currently 5-0 and for probably the first time in program history. And they're hosting the Jacksonville Dolphins, the team who have been ruining Robbie O's life these, <laughs> these last few weeks. Um, I mean, listen, you know, Vermont's on fire. And we heard from McKay, you know, they're kind of taking this season a game at a time. Uh, you know, they, they know where they're at in the rankings. They like where they're at. They want to just keep getting better week by week. Uh, but this is a game that, you know, you can say all those things all you want. I just hope that you don't overlook Jacksonville because, you know, they got Jacksonville this week. They got Sacred Heart next week. The week after that, it's it's Albany week. So it would look real good for Vermont going into Albany 7-0, and giving them that confidence that they would need to give the Dane train a, a go for their money. Um, but it starts off this week against Jacksonville. So, Rabia, what, what's your feel on this game? Yeah, Jordy. I mean, you you kind of said it all. I mean, you and I both played calls across. Everyone yep. always says one game at a time, one game at a time. And now you have a 5-0 and Catamounts team. That's one of my worst jokes I've ever made in my life. Going against a Jacksonville team that I personally have been sleeping on. Clearly, Coach Myers and the Buckeyes were sleeping on. They walked out of there with a win. You know, this is a scary game for Vermont and the Catamounts, the rest of them. I mean, you got, I mean, we talked about in the interview, you have McKay going up with, you know, four Canadian attackmen, a powerful offense, but that stretches all the way down to the defense and the goalie. You know, they've been playing fantastic ball and, you know, Jacksonville's been playing well too, but they got to make the trek, the flight up to Vermont playing in that cold weather. You know, you're not going to be in your bathing suits anymore playing volleyball. So, this is going to be a game, man. I, I, I'm excited. I'm not going to predict a score. We'll wait we'll wait till the end of the episode. But, uh, no, this is going to be a great game. I'm excited for it. Like you said, I mean, if, if Vermont can be undefeated going into Albany, us lax fans, like that, that's a dream come true. Now, here's the one thing that really scares me right now. If I'm Vermont, uh, you know, so, again, we're, we're talking about taking it a game at a time and, and shit like that. But looking at Jacksonville's schedule for the rest of the season, I mean, this Vermont game, this is the biggest game that they have for the rest of the year. I mean, after this, they have Mercer, Bellarmine, High Point, Air Force, Richmond, Furman, VMI. They do not. I mean, it's straight SoCon from here on out for Jacksonville. No disrespect to the SoCon, but it's, again, like those teams are just not – it, this this is their this is their Super Bowl on March third. This is the biggest game that they'll have for the rest of the regular season. Um, you know, we're talking about Vermont having Albany in, in a few weeks on St. Patrick's Day. So, I mean, Vermont's gonna have to figure this. They're going to get Jacksonville's best effort because after this, I feel like they can kind of go on cruise control the rest of the way. So, I mean, they're gonna give it their all. Uh, it kind of sounds a little cliche, but it's definitely something to to look at. 
uh, if, if you're tuning into this game. Uh, so, you know, Vermont versus Jacksonville, you know, two teams, obviously two teams that are having very good seasons so far this year, even though Jacksonville's record doesn't necessarily reflect that. Uh, but not exactly two teams that you think would be a marquee game for a weekend of college lacrosse. But moving on to teams who are always in the spotlight in college lacs, we've got Maryland versus Notre Dame, and I mean, this one last year came down to the wide. It was a 5-4 game. Uh, obviously, here at the Crease Dive, we love goals. It is our favorite part of the sport. Like, I, I, I feel bad because I never give goalies and defense the amount of love and respect that they deserve. But listen, like, I, I guess I love you guys, but like, I also love goals way. Like, I would take, like, five goals over your life. Um, but so, so five, four game last year, uh, Notre Dame and Maryland, like I'll be totally honest. Like I haven't really been able to, I mean, Maryland had that huge win over Penn, but I just haven't seen or heard much of, of either team so far this year. I mean, Maryland, they're starting off the year four and Uh, you know, Notre Dame, they're two and but I, I don't think neither of them have necessarily been doing anything that really stands out. So I, it's tough to get a read on this one. Robbie, what do you got? No, I completely agree. I mean, last time these teams played each other, it was a defensive coordinator's wet dream. It was a 5-4 game in Maryland's favor. And real quick, if you guys haven't already, go listen and go check out our interview with Matt Rambo and Colin Heacock, the one-two punch. Um, congratulations to Coach Tillman on his 100th win. But, dude, this is a Maryland team. I mean, and this is a Notre Dame team. They're both undefeated, which is, as lax rats, like, we, we love to see that. I mean, you got Connor Kelly leading the charge with the 19 points. Bernhardt, like we said, the young guns stepping up. But speaking of young guns, dude, Logan Wiskaskis. He was the transfer from Syracuse. He just got named Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year, or Offensive Player of the Week and Freshman of the Week. So, like, his five goals against Penn. But like you said, like, that's a pen team. But like then I say that's a pen team, but that's a pen team that just beat the number one team in the country. So we always go back to this. Like it's college across. Like anything could happen. So, you know, this is a game I'm looking forward to. You're looking forward to. Rest of the country's looking forward to. So uh let's uh, let's see what happens, man. Yeah, I mean, if there's one guy on that field on Saturday that I really want to pop off. It is Ryder Garnsey. I mean, this kid has been through. So, I mean, I, think about what happened with this kid. I mean, last year, you know, had had a great year with Notre Dame. Obviously, you know, it, it didn't finish up the way that they would have wanted it to. Um, you know, obviously, I think a, a program like Notre Dame, there, you know, their goal is to be there on Memorial Day every single year. Uh, so it didn't quite work out for them. He ends up, uh, you know, it, it gets out there that he's looking to transfer transfer from Notre Dame. Uh, and and then, you know, I, I guess some paperwork stuff fell through or, or something or, or another happened. Uh, and that transfer never happened. So now he's back at Notre Dame after, you know, it. it it got out that he was looking to leave. So, I mean, you can say all you want about being boys with the guys on the team, but like, obviously that that's going to strain at least few relationships within the locker room. Uh, so I, I think a guy like Ryder Garnsey 
if he can pop off against a Maryland team here, the reigning champs, uh, and, and really just have himself a day, I think that that's going to you know do wonders for this Notre Dame team moving forward for the rest of the year, just knowing that they have their stud uh, you know, fully in there. Uh, so again, it, it's going to be a good one. It's just it, neither team, it, it's been tough. There have been so many other teams in college lacrosse this year that have taken the spotlight uh, that it, it's it's weird to say, but teams like Maryland and Notre Dame have been getting a little overshadowed early on, at least in the first month of the college lacrosse season. And one of those teams that's been overshadowing them, we've talked about them plenty so far this episode, the Villanova Wildcats. The cats, the cardiac cats, what do you got on this? Because they are taking the trip down to Delaware on Saturday. They got the Blue Hens. Robbie O, do you think Villanova gets out of this one undefeated? I'm going to be honest. Like we're, we're coming off of two different caliber teams. Like I'm not saying that Villanova and Delaware can't compete with the Maryland's and the Notre Dame's. Like I'm sure like either one, like any given Sunday kind of deal can beat each other. But it's also what I'm trying to say is like it's also another set of two undefeated teams. Yeah, dude, Delaware has played no disrespect to any teams. I say they, they've they've had an ass schedule so far, but they're undefeated three and zero. They they played Mount St. Mary's, NJIT, and Monmouth, and obviously Villanova is undefeated in the top ten in the country. But and they knocked off Yale, dude. Like when Yale was what like two or three. So. And this is a Villanova team that we, we've hyped up so much. And now they have to make the trip down to, to Delaware. And you now the CAA is kind of they – they used to be pretty big, 2010, 2012, through that era. Their, their CAA was nice. But, but they slowed down a little bit. And last time Villanova played a CAA team, it was Hofstra. And they held them to two goals. So this game's going to be interesting for me. I, I know I said that last game, but it's another one. It's like anything can go, but – if I were to put money on this game and obviously hashtag fade Robbie O, I mean, I, I got Villanova by like like eight or nine. I, I, I don't see this relatively close. I mean, dude, they, they, they beat NJIT 11-6, Delaware. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing that Delaware really has going for them right now is they bring in Ben LaDuca as their head coach this year. Uh, you know, LaDuca, he spent plenty of time at Cornell um, you know, I, I think that, you know, Delaware, they were a team that, you know, we, we see this with programs every once in a while. You know, you have a coach in there for so long, regardless of how legendary he is and, and how much he meant to the program. Eventually, you know, you just you keep preaching the same message after after so long. The message starts to grow a little bit stale. Uh, so I think bringing in Ben LaDuca is a huge get for the Delaware Blue Hens. Uh, you know, obviously leading them off to a three and zero start to start his tenure there in Delaware. Um, like you said, I mean, not necessarily like the biggest three wins ever, but it still counts for something. I mean, you bring in a, a whole new regime to a program like that. There are going to be some speed bumps along the way. So the fact that they get out to three and zero is is good for them. And I, I think that you know he's a guy who you know he he's had the game plan for great teams before. You know, it, during his time at Cornell. So I, I think. You know, he's going to be able to put something on the board for his guys to give Villanova a run for their money. Um, you know, I, again, I, I said it for my man down. I mean, anybody who is, you know, counting out or anybody who's, you know, doubting the city of Philadelphia, yeah, good fucking luck with you. But, you know, so I do think that 
Villanova gets out of here with a win, but I'm I'm gonna say this one's gonna be a little bit closer than I think. Uh, you know, I, th- I think that a lot of people are gonna think. Um, but speaking of one that is going to be close, and it's it's probably going to be another one goal game like we've been getting used to seeing all across the country. It is the Sunday marquee game of the week. We've got the Syracuse Orange Cardiac Cuse. They are now taking the trip. So excuse two and one. Um, you know, obviously that loss to Albany, but coming back with a huge triple overtime win over Army. So they're two and one. They're taking the trip down to play against the four and O Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, if anyone watched this game last year, it was another one of those one goal wins for cardiac cues in the carrier dome. Cuse was wearing the throwback uh, sweat, the throwback uniforms. So this one ended up being a 14, 13 win for Cuse. Uh, I, I got to imagine that we see another one goal game here, but does Cuse come out on top of this one or is Virginia going to five and O after many, including almost myself counting them dead earlier on this year? Yeah, and dude, don't sell yourself short. And I was on that same bandwagon. Like, I would never think I'd sit here and say, oh, Lars Tiffany was the guy to bring the Virginia Cavaliers back, back from the dead. Like, this was a Virginia team that we saw that was, like, pretty shaky. And when they would knock off a top top 15, top 10 team, you'd be like, oh, that's an upset. No, that's not how it used to be. I mean, when you and I were growing up playing lacrosse, being a little rats, like – Virginia was a staple of a Memorial Day weekend. So now we get to see Virginia being a top five team. But like you said, it's Syracuse. They're fantastic. This is good. This is going to be a great game. Uh, cardiac, cardiac Cuse is definitely back. I kind of want to say that they're not back, and I kind of want them just to go in to Virginia and just, just run train. But it's an ACC game. They're going to be prepped up. Both teams are going to be prepped up. Both teams are going to be jacked up. And you know they're going to be, there's going to be a full house at that let, game. Let me tell you something right now. Right here, right now, you can hear it from my lips. The Virginia Cavaliers, they have not won an ACC game since the 2014 season. All of 2015, not a single win in the conference. 2016, not a single win in the conference. 2017, even with a one-goal loss to Cuse, not a single win in the conference. I mean, a one-goal loss last year, one-goal loss to Cuse. They got a overtime loss to Notre Dame. Uh, you know, and then they get out, they get spanked by Duke, but they have a close one against North Carolina. Virginia, they've been so close to getting that first win for the in in the ACC for the first time in years. I think that it might have to happen on Sunday against Cuse. It's a home game for Virginia. What a story it would be for Lars Tiffany to get this team their first ACC win since 2014 to get Virginia to five and zero. It's what my heart's telling me right now. 
but we will have to see what my brain tells me as we get into the line drills here. We are going to make our picks of the week. And as always, these picks are brought to you. These lines and odds are brought to you by at Lax Vegas Lines on Twitter. You guys got to follow them. These guys know their shit. They set money, money, money lines every single weekend. They're always right there. They're always on the spot. Uh, so let's get into these picks. Let's get these line drills rolling. Uh, so, you know, obviously, uh, last week wasn't exactly my week of all time. We started off, I went 2-2-1 two, two, and one on the week, still managed to come out even. Uh, Robbie, we've, we've talked enough about how your week went, so we'll just leave it out at that. Uh, so we've got, you know, a bunch of, bunch of big matchups here. Uh, and starting off, we're going to go with the game that is tonight, the Friday night game. We've got Ohio State. Versus Marquette, this line is three and a half goals in favor of the Buckeyes. Robbie O, who do you like in this one? I like the Buckeyes here. I think they had a little bit of a scare last week against the Jacksonville team that, like we said multiple, multiple times this episode, I've been heavy sleeping on. Um, Marquette's a good team, but I think Ohio State handles them. I think they match up pretty good against them. I got Ohio State minus three. Um, I'm also riding heavy on the Buckeyes this week. I, uh, you know, I, I just think that you know. A guy like Trey LeClaire, I, I don't know if Marquette has anybody who's going to be able to shut him down. As we saw, obviously, Jacksonville didn't either. Uh, I like Ohio State coming out with a big-time win in this one. Uh, moving on from that game, let's let's head into Saturday's slate of games. We've talked about it here before. We've got Maryland versus Notre Dame. Again, quick little refresher for everybody. This was a one-goal game last year in Maryland. This time, we are... Uh, I believe we're at Notre Dame. So, you know, who who do you... Oh, wait, no, I flip-flopped that one. Uh, so this game is going to be at Maryland, and the line is a two-goal and a two goal favorite for the Terps over Notre Dame. Uh, I, I, I'll be honest. We, we said before, we haven't really had a ton of time to sit down and really watch either of these teams. Been a ton of other good surprise teams to watch in the nation this year. But they're blue blood programs, and, you know, they know how to win. Uh, and and I like this one coming down to another one goal game. I, I think maybe the Terps get the best out of Notre Dame last year instead of the way that it went last year. Uh, but I like this being a one goal game. So I got to go Notre Dame plus two. Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna actually ride right behind you there. Um, I'm taking Notre Dame plus two. Uh, like we said, uh, they they're always known to play defense. These two teams. I think it's gonna be a shootout. Um, like obviously this is the year of the goals. Yeah, I'm going to follow you right there. <laughs> Obviously, I'm doing something wrong last couple of weeks' picks, so I'm going to take Notre Dame plus two there. All right, we are riding two for two on the same picks here. Uh, I guess I did not take the memo to fade Robbie O. Uh, staying on Saturday, we've got Ian McKay's Vermont Catamounts. They are hosting Jacksonville. Vermont, they're two-and-a-half goal favorites here. What do we think? Does our boy Ian cover? I mean, good teams win, great teams cover. Are the Vermont Catamounts, are they great? Robbie O, your prediction here. I mean, Jacksonville is number one in the nation when it comes to covering uh, games, and we've seen that week after week after week. They are 4-0 against the spread. Uh, Dude, I'm I'm riding Catamounts here. Obviously, hashtag fade Robbie O, and shout out to to Robert P. Moore, 44 on Twitter, who keeps – Busting my chops that I keep sleeping on them. Yeah, I mean, you, you've been sleeping on the fins for four straight weeks. Uh, I, I haven't been. 
Uh, but I think I'm I'm gonna hit hit that day or hit the Nyquil right now on them, and I gotta go Vermont coming out of here. They're they're gonna come out, you know, maybe a four or five goal win for Vermont. They're gonna head into that Albany game undefeated, just like we talked about. Uh, and and Ian McKay gonna pop off there. And then our uh, our final pick of the week before we get to our mortal locks, we've got the Sunday game. We've got Syracuse going down to Virginia. Again, this like this one last year, one goal game. Syracuse came out on top. I believe it was 14-13. The line here, Virginia, the Cavaliers favored in an ACC game. Uh, Virginia favored by three goals. Robbie O, your pick on this one. Let's see if we uh, have, have any have any difference here. My heart is saying Syracuse, but the money is saying Virginia. I'm going with the Cavaliers here at home minus three. Wow! All right, this this will this will be the uh, this will be the difference maker between the two of us because I got this one. I like Virginia coming out of here with a win. I think that they get their first ACC win since 2014. I think it's going to be another tight game though. I don't think they're going to run away from them just yet. I don't know if they're there just yet. So I've got Syracuse plus three, but I'm really pulling for Virginia outright. And that is going to bring us to our mortal lock of the week. Let's see what you got here, Robbie. Let's let's save your season on the first weekend of March. I think this is going to be a huge turnaround weekend for you. Who do you have as your mortal? Um, I got as my mortal lock, I'm going to go with Yale. Minus three and a half over the Bryant Bulldogs. I think after you yeah, A couple of Bulldogs going after it. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, a couple of Bulldogs going after it. And hey, speaking of Bulldogs, congrats on the puppy, Maisie. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I just picked up a Bulldog puppy the other day, and she has been shitting and pissing all over my apartment over the last couple of days. So you can imagine where my brain is so scattered making these picks right now. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm Yale minus three for my Mortal Lock of the Week. And uh, so my Mortal Lock of the Week uh, I got to go with the Jersey boys. I am going Rutgers minus one over Brown. I don't know if I, I haven't really seen much from Brown this year at all. And I, I don't think that they have what it takes to keep up with Rutgers, especially not if the line is just a one goal. I think that that's going to be, uh, you know, kind of a runaway game for Rutgers. So my mortal lock of the week, Rutgers minus one versus Brown. You can lock that up, throw away the key. Uh, one last thing here before we close out on the week, uh, the Twarton watch list, the, the first one of the season was announced. Uh, I guess it was either last night or earlier today or whatever. Uh, big shout out to recurring guests of the podcast. We got Justin Gutterding on that list. We got Ian McKay on that list. Uh, you know, other guys who would obviously be on that list. You got, you know, your Connor Fields, Trevor Baptiste. Uh, you know, my money's still saying that it's probably Baptiste's award to lose. Um, but shout out to those guys for making that list and we'll see, uh, you know, I think that we'll see both of those guys stay on it for, you know, until the very end. So that is going to wrap up episode six of the crease dive. Thank you again to Ian McKay for popping on from Vermont. Thank you again to everybody for listening. Uh, it's the first weekend in March. So, I mean, February is, is the start of the season, but March is when it's seriously lacrosse season all over the country. Uh, so it's a great time of the year. Thank you to everybody for listening. We will catch you back here. Same time, same place next week. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Both handles there are at the crease dive ton of great content for you there. We'll catch you guys later. Love you all low to high to the day we die.